Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the book of Hebrews, a verse-by-verse study on the book of Hebrews, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. In the previous broadcast, I was in Hebrews chapter 13. I was just starting Hebrews chapter 13. And I'd like to begin again in verse 1, where it says, Let the love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled, for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. In the previous program, I was speaking about these verses, and in this program, I'd like to continue into verse 5, where it says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? And in the context of verses 1 through 4, we could look at verse 5 and 6 and say that this is a continuation of the admonitions that were given there, that in addition to things like do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers or do not commit fornication or adultery, in addition to that, do not let your character be consumed with the love of money. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. And that if you do not do that, then perhaps God will judge you. Perhaps he will pass judgment on you and consider that to be a sin. That's often how people will read this, how they will look at this, is to say, look, you have to make sure that you never express anything within your heart that shows that you have a love of money. Because if you do, then you will be expressing sin and God will pass judgment against you because of that. And with this admonition, many people have tried to hide their successes in many ways, where they have tried to make sure that people are not aware of their success and being able to acquire money. They're very careful with how they spend money because they don't want other people to notice that perhaps they might have a love of it because they have so much of it. People will voluntarily give it away in order to ensure that they don't find themselves entrapped or ensnared by the love of money. These are different things that people will tend to do in order to try and ensure that they never have a love of it. That's one way of looking at it. I personally do not see any evidence that the presence of money will cause a person to love it more than the absence of it. I know a lot of people who have a lot of money, and I know a lot of people who do not have any money at all, and they seem to love money just the same, whether they have a lot of it or they have a little amount of it. Regardless of who they are, I personally find that the attitudes towards money still remains relatively consistent in people's attitudes and dependencies when it comes to money. But why would a person 
have a love of money. I mean, with the other sins, I suppose those sins could be relatively easy to figure out. You know, why would people commit one sin or another sin? You can usually look at that and say, well, a person is committing a particular sin because they're looking for love or they're looking for acceptance or they're looking for some sense of meaning or purpose in their lives. Or perhaps they're looking for a way to obtain wealth without having to work for it, without having to labor. They're just wanting to take it from somebody else. But when it comes to the love of money, sometimes things can get a little bit convoluted concerning this, because in general people don't think about it a whole lot. And because people don't think about it a whole lot, at least in the context of how it can be sinful or how it could produce more sin in a person's life, Because of that, it's going to be very difficult for me to really get into verse 5 and 6. So I believe it would be very helpful for me to spend a little bit of time talking about money, talking about what it is, and once you have an understanding of what it is, what it means, how it is used, and why it is used, then I believe you can have a greater appreciation for what the writer is referring to when he talks about the love of money, especially when he follows up verse 5 with verse 6, speaking about the fact that the Lord is your helper and that there is no need to be afraid. You see, there appears to be a tremendous lack of understanding of what money is. I can give you a simple example. Recently, the chairman of the Federal Reserve in the United States was questioned in Congress, and one of the congressmen asked him a question He asked him, is gold money? And the chairman of the Federal Reserve responded with, no, he did not believe that gold was money. Now that to me expresses one of two things. Either the man lied or he honestly doesn't believe that gold is money. But that tells me an awful lot about not only the head of the central bank of the United States, which also has tremendous influence over the entire world, tells me not only something about him, but it also tells me a lot more about the people in the country and even in the world who would hear a statement like that and not really respond to it as I would expect people would have responded to it if they would have had an understanding concerning what money really is and what it isn't. And so considering all of that, I'm going to go ahead and give you a basic description about what money is what it means to people, why they would have a love of it, and in understanding that, I think we can have a better appreciation for what's described here. Now, this is not the kind of topic that I speak on when it comes to Living God Ministries and By Grace Fellowship and talking about the things of the Scriptures, but it doesn't mean that I don't know anything about it. It just so happens that I have substantial credentials when it comes to this subject, and I'm not going to bother telling you what those credentials are, I'm only going to tell you that I do have substantial credentials with regards to this. I also have substantial credentials in other fields of study. I have expertise in many things. But this is definitely one thing that I have a lot of expertise concerning. And I'm just going to mention that and leave it there. At this point, I'd like you to consider what I am saying. And I do believe that what I say will speak for itself and you will recognize what I mean when I tell you that I have some credentials concerning this. Now, the first thing that I want you to think about in order to understand what is being described here is to first think about where you are right now, wherever you are. It doesn't matter where you are, if you're in your car, in your home, it doesn't matter where you are. Just think about where you are and recognize that if you did not have a place to be, 
you would have some serious problems. I mean, you certainly do need to have a place that you can legitimately be. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to accomplish a whole lot of anything. This is one of the risks of being homeless, is that if you're homeless and you have no home, where are you going to go? And if you go there, how long will you be able to stay? There are some substantial problems concerning that. But think about that for a minute, that you need to have some place to be. Now, when you are at the place that you need to be, regardless of where this is, when you are there, or at least a place where you are allowed to be, there are some things that you need in order to exist, in order to continue to exist. And what I mean by that is you need some things in order to survive. The first thing that you are going to need, if you don't notice it right away, you will eventually notice this, that you need to have food and water. Those are definitely two things that you are going to need, otherwise you will die. There's no way around that. So I'd like to first start with that. The next thing that you're going to need, or at least you will certainly appreciate, is the need for clothing. You will also have a need for shelter. And if you don't recognize that right away, I'm sure you will recognize it as soon as it is extremely hot or perhaps it rains on you. In that circumstance, you'll recognize that you will want to have some shelter of some kind. And then, of course, if things start getting cold, you're going to recognize that you have a need for energy. You have a need for food, water, clothing, shelter, and energy. Now, when you consider where you are or where you can go in order to legitimately have a place to be, how much food, water, clothing, and energy, or sources of energy, do you have where you are? Now, chances are you've got some of all of those things. You may not have an abundant supply of those things, but you have some of those things, or at least you have reasonable access to those things. For example, it's very unusual for people to store thousands of gallons of water in their home. However, they may very well have access to a well or what we call a water tap where they can tap into the community water supply and obtain water there. And so there are some things like that that you can have access to, but at least you have those things. Now, once you recognize that these are things that you have to have in order to stay alive... And then you recognize that some of these things you don't have or you don't have a lot of or you are going to rapidly run out of if you are not able to resupply these things that you absolutely need. Once you recognize that, then you need to understand that somehow you're going to have to go and get these resources. You're going to have to get these somehow from some place. Otherwise, you will die. Those are your two options. You either die or you go out and get the food, clothing, shelter, and energy that you need. Now, if you are going to get those things in order to bring them into where you exist, we call this something, we call this importing, where you import into your place that you can be those things that you need for survival. Now, in order to import those things, you're probably going to have to export something in order to get those things. In other words, you're not normally going to be able to just go out and get these things for free. You're going to have to exchange something for these things. Now, money, which I will, of course, come back to, money is something that you can use in order to go out and 
exchange for these things that you need and bring them back. The example I gave concerning the water tap into the water supply, you will have to pay in order to get that water. You export the money that you have there at your place that you can be. You export that money so that you can import the water that you need for survival. If you understand that, then you can begin to appreciate the value of money. And, of course, why somebody would be thankful that they have that money and why somebody would perhaps love this money that they would be able to export in order to import those things that they have a need for. Now, if you don't have an abundant supply of money in your place that you can exist, if you don't have an abundant supply, then you're going to have to acquire some of that, especially if that is the only thing that somebody will take in order to provide you with those things that you have a need for, for your own survival. You will have to do something in order to acquire that money. You will have to export something in order to acquire that so that you can follow through with the necessary exchanges in order to get the things that you need. Now, considering your place to be, what do you have there that is of value to other people that you can export? Well, most people have virtually nothing, virtually nothing, unless you have some land, perhaps. If you have some land, then you may be able to go out and cut the grass and bale it into a bundle of hay. Then you can export that. If you have trees and you can cut those down and turn them into firewood, you can export that. Also, if you have the grass, you can bring your own animals in and they can graze off of that grass, grow in size, bring them in when they're young. Feed them until they are old, and then you can export the difference concerning what you originally paid versus what you'd be able to acquire from there. That's what you need to understand. You need to think about exporting and importing in your own home, in your own place that you can be. Now, what most people have been doing is they have been exporting their labor. That's what people have been exporting for the most part. They have been exporting their labor to somebody else And in return, they're normally paid in something that we call money. We take that money and then we acquire the things that we have a need for in order to survive. And then we import those into our place to be. That's normally how people are operating. But you need to understand something about this. And that is that there is great risk associated with living off of or surviving off of your own labor. There is some substantial risk, especially when you want to exchange this labor for something that people normally call money. In order to do this, you have to find someone who is willing to pay you for your labor. And depending upon the nature of your culture, depending upon the nature of the economy within the culture, this can be easy or it can be very difficult. There are many issues concerning this that can make this easy or it can make this hard. It depends on what's happening in the society that you are a part of. But in order to get somebody to give you money in exchange for your labor, it can be very helpful to understand how they are getting the money in order to pay you. Let me describe it this way. When you go and you ask somebody to give you a job, what you are really asking them to do is to pay you for the work that you are going to do, but in order to pay you for the work that you are going to do, They can only get the money from one of three different potential places or sources. There's only three options when it comes to paying somebody to do work. The first option 
is to pay you out of their savings. They will have to save money, and with that money, they will then be able to pay you for the work that you will do for them. The second option is that they can borrow the money. They will borrow the money, and then they will give you this money in exchange for some labor, and the hope is that you will perform work for them in such a way that they will be able to take what you do and generate some additional money beyond what they borrowed so that they can pay back what they borrowed and enjoy a profit. And, of course, the third way that they can do this is they can steal the money from somebody else and then they can pay you with that and you can do work with that. Those are the only options that you have at your disposal when it comes to exporting your labor from your home in order to import those things that you need for survival. You will have to find someone who is willing to pay you out of their savings. You will have to find someone who is willing to borrow money to pay you. Or you will have to find someone who is willing to steal the money in order to pay you. There are no other options. Now, when you consider this, there has to be something that they can obtain in return that would warrant the risk of them giving you their savings or giving you money that they borrow or giving you money that they stole. There's some risk associated with that. And so when you engage in an agreement with an employer, it's very helpful to understand that they are going to engage in a tremendous amount of risk to take you on as an employee in order to provide you with money in exchange for your labor. There's a tremendous amount of risk. There's a tremendous amount of risk because, first of all, you may not perform the amount of work that they need, or there's a tremendous amount of risk because they will not be able to take your labor and generate a profit from it because they may have a problem with their customer base. They may have a problem finding people who will purchase the products that you produce or give them money in exchange for the services that you provide. There is risk on both sides. In order to mitigate this risk, it's helpful to understand that what people will do is they will pay you much less than what you are actually worth. You may have noticed this if you have ever held a job, if you've ever been given a job. You will have probably noticed at some time during your working day that you feel as though you are not really being paid what you're really worth. And, of course, that has to be the case because if your employer is not able to generate a profit, which is the difference between what you are producing and what you are getting paid, if there isn't enough of a profit, then it's not in their interest in order to engage in that activity. And, of course, you also have to consider the risk of failure on top of that, that there may be failure in the business, and because of that additional risk, they may have to pay you much less in order to ensure that they can perhaps keep the business open and survive the difficult times when it's hard to find customers. These are all issues that are very important to understand in order to appreciate why people would love money. Now, if you understand these things, then I think you can identify where the source of fear can come from. Let me give you an example. Let's assume that you're going to export things that you are able to acquire from the place that you are able to exist. And I gave the example of grass or animals or wood. There is some fear associated with that or that can be associated with that because you may not find anybody who would be willing to give you money or other resources in exchange for the things that you are able to produce. Food that you grow, grass that you grow, firewood that you're able to cut, animals that you are able to raise. 
there is some fear associated with not being able to find someone who would be willing to give you the things that you need or the money that you need in order to survive in exchange for these goods. When it comes to labor, the opportunities for fear are even greater. There are many more opportunities for fear when you are exporting your labor as opposed to exporting any goods that you produce. When you export your labor in the context of services, the service of providing your service for somebody else in order for them to generate a profit from your labor, when you do that, then you have many more opportunities for fear. For example, what happens if for whatever reason your employer decides that they don't want to give you any more of their savings? Or what happens when your employer has difficulty borrowing money? Or what happens when your employer has difficulty stealing money in order to pay you? These are the only three options. If there are any difficulties concerning this, then you're not going to be able to acquire those things that you need in order to survive. This is a critical thing to recognize. If you recognize this, then you can see why he would say that the love of money is associated with fear. Because there are many opportunities for fear when it comes to the acquisition of money. It's not that easy. It's not that easy for many people. And because of that, people are afraid. So consider that in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you so that we confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Well, man can do a lot to you. He can do a lot to you if you export your labor because you completely depend on what other people will do. If you export the things that you have in your place to be, if you export from what you personally produce, then there are fewer things to be afraid of, but there are still things to be afraid of. In addition to that, there's something else you can be afraid of, and that is outright theft. Somebody may come and steal your resources. Now, having said all of this, what I've done is I've given you an explanation concerning the things that you need in order to stay alive, the things that you need in order to survive, in order to continue to live in this world, to be a part of it. And there are many opportunities for fear concerning that. And, of course, there are many things that I can talk about. If you understand what I just described, there are many other things that I can speak on that I I have spoken on in many occasions throughout the world to many people. Pension funds, central banks, I've, I've been involved in a lot of things. I've spoken to a lot of people concerning various subjects that relate to the subject of money. But what I want to say right now, because I have a lack of time, is only to say that I want you to see why people would be afraid, why people could be afraid. Because if you're not able to live, if you're not able to survive, it can be a very frightening experience. Now, in the short amount of time that I have in this program, what I would like to say, in light of what I've just described, is that our God has provided us with this world. And in this earth, he has provided us with many opportunities to work to either produce from our own labor or give our labor to somebody else so that they can use that to produce something and exchange that and they can give us a portion of what we are able to produce for them. There are many opportunities for that. And you must understand that there is a lot of risk when it comes to these things. And there are many opportunities for failure. 
concerning these things. But our God has provided everything that we truly need. And if we are wise, that is the ultimate thing to say. If we are wise concerning what we do and what we don't do, and if we are wise concerning the saving of money or resources or expanding our ability to perform work when other people are not able to give it to us, if we are wise concerning these things, we can find ways to increase our own personal security in such a way that we do not have to be as afraid as we should be if we don't take action and make wise decisions while we can. For example, the story of Joseph is very important to recognize. The story of Joseph tells us many things, but one thing that I personally have benefited from when it came to Joseph was to understand that when there are times of plenty, you save for those times when there will be little. And if you do that, you can continue to survive without ending up being a slave. However, if you will not recognize that your God has provided you with all that you need in order to prevent you from being a slave, and you do not make wise decisions, then if you end up in a circumstance where you may not survive because it's God's desire for you, it's not necessarily that. It's not necessarily a matter of him failing you. But instead, I want you to see that he has provided us with many opportunities in order to survive. And if we don't make sound decisions, if we make really bad decisions, we should be afraid. There are reasons to be afraid. You must use what he has given to you because he has given us so much to work with. And if we don't do that, we cannot blame him We cannot hold him accountable and say that he has failed us. He has not failed us. He will never fail us. He will not desert us. He will not forsake us. He will continue to help us. There is no need to be afraid because we are on a planet with a huge amount of resources. And if we understand the fundamentals that I just described concerning importing, exporting, savings, Theft, if you understand that, then you have a reasonable foundation that you can build on in order to recognize that he will always be with you because he has already given you all that you need. On occasion, he certainly will divinely intervene in order to keep you alive. But on occasion, he will not. But even if he doesn't divinely intervene, it doesn't mean that he has forsaken you. And I will explain this in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.